I pray today that God would make us understand just a little bit more how great the Father's love is for us. Would you find 1 John chapter 4? Now, this section of scripture that we're about to launch into is dominated by the concept of love. John uses the word love or a form of it 27 times in these few verses. He is demonstrating for us that God loves us. And because he loves us, it should naturally flow through us, in and through us, and out to others. As one who has received the love of God, we should be sharing that love so that others know we belong to him. The first thing I want to talk to you about is what I call the birthmark of believers. When my oldest son, Jason, was born, he had a birthmark on the back of his neck that was identical to the one I have. And that birthmark belongs beloved, testified to the fact that he belonged to me. May I present to you today this thought that the birthmark that you and I have as believers is the love of God, the love of God. God loves us, and as we receive that love, as we stand in that love, as we live that love out, others recognize that we belong to him. John writes, beloved, let us love one another. Would you look now in John chapter 4? First John is where I want you. First John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and loves and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Such a simple phrase, but so powerful. God is love. He'll repeat that in verse 16. God is love. Look at verse 9. By this, the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Sounds so much like John chapter 3 verse 16. Look now in verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Everyone who was born of God the Father has received the love of God. And because of that, because of that, we are able to live in that love if we are willing to step into that love and receive it and believe it. Now, in the English language, the word love is used for lots of things. We love chips and salsa. Girls, there's never a time that I see the lack of self-control in my life like when I sit before chips and salsa. Oh my goodness, I love chips and salsa. I also love spring weather. I love my husband. I love my children. 
all of these words, or excuse me, all of these expressions of love are the same in the English language. But as we studied in our lesson this week, what John is talking about here is agape love. That is the Christ-like, self-sacrificing love that is others-focused. Now, John had received that love, and it had transformed his life. You remember that he had the nickname, Son of Thunder. And he went from being the son of thunder to the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he never got over the fact that God loved him so much that he sent his only begotten son to be the once for all time sacrifice for sin. And John was standing in that love and he was so desiring that his readers would understand how much they are loved. When you and I understand the love of God, the richness of it, the fullness of it, and begin to operate in it, I'm telling you, it is life-changing, and others will have to take notice of the love of God being shed abroad in our hearts and in our lives. Warren Wiersbe says this, people cannot see God. But they can see God's children revealing him in their love for one another and for those in need. This love is not something that we work up. It is the work of the Spirit within. God's love flows from us as we yield to the Spirit. Christians do not love each other because of their good qualities, but in spite of their bad qualities. As we abide in his love, we have no difficulty loving other believers. Now let's think about that for a moment. God loves us, and because people have not seen God, he uses us to extend the love of God, loving other believers and loving those who do not know him yet. You know that Craig and I do a quite a bit of international ministry. And we have been trained, we have been trained to teach pioneer evangelism. And we are able to do that in many countries internationally. That program is a transferable concept. That is, we teach pastors, then they teach their people who will teach their people who will teach their people, and on and on it goes. And that uh, program is about evangelism and discipleship and church planting. And we have been able to teach it in a number of countries. Now, one country that I want to share with you is Uganda. Uh, my uh, grandchildren were with us this weekend, and one of them asked what our favorite country was to go to. And Craig said, the last one that we have been in, which is absolutely the truth. And uh, so in Uganda, uh, which was the last country, by the way, that we have been in. We have been working with Pastor Patrick, who lives in Buzia, which is in the eastern part of Uganda. And we, he has been trained in pioneer evangelism. And he and his church have done a wonderful job showing God's love in practical ways, which is one of the tenets we tr teach in pioneer evangelism. So they came up with the idea that they would like to reach those people out in the villages. And Africa has villages spotted all over Africa. These people live out in the bush. They build their own houses out of mud and uh, uh, clay, and they uh, put uh, 
thatched roofs on it. They have no electricity. Most of them do not have access to clean water supplies. They have no medical care. And life is hard on so many levels. But uh, Patrick and his church wanted to go out into these villages to begin to share Christ. So they came up with an idea, a plan that was God-given that they could purchase goats. And they would take these goats out into the village and they would present an unbelieving family with a goat. And Patrick began working with pastors and leaders out in the villages, out in the bush, and identifying unbelieving families, especially widowed families, uh, and they wanted to present them with a goat. So our ministry provides the funds for Patrick and his church to take these goats. And they take the goats out to the community, and they present the goat to a family that is unbelieving. And that family says, why would you give me a goat? Why would you give me a gift? And they'll tell them, because God loves you, and we love you too. Now, it's hard for us in a, where we live in the States to even imagine the effect of this gift. There's really nothing I can help you understand how significant this gift is. But these are people who do not own livestock, who have never had that. And Patrick told us that the gift of one goat, which will then multiply and build a herd, that will break the cycle of poverty in that family. Listen to this, to the third and fourth generation. The gift of a goat. A silly little goat. And they give them this goat. And then they tell them they'll come back the next week. And help them take care of the goat. Now if you have never owned livestock... You don't know how to care for one. And so the men of the church go regularly to help the families uh, take care of the, the goats in such a way that they begin to multiply. And when the family gets about six or eight goats, they will begin to barter those goats for things they need. If they have a large enough herd, they might barter for a cow. Now, a cow costs 300 American dollars. So the gift of that goat to allow them to ultimately have a cow is just, it's just unbelievable. And they will be able to sell extra milk and make cheese. And uh, this has just caused these families to have economic success in places where they are living in such poverty that it is absolutely heartbreaking. When we were in Uganda last year, we were able to go out in the villages and meet with many of the families that have received our goats. Now, once they get the goat and the, the men from the church are going out and encouraging them and blessing them and so forth, there's a women's ministry that takes over and they begin visiting every week in the home of the person who has received the goat. And they begin to share very, very simplistic Bible studies on the life of Christ. Each week they will take them through the book of John and through the book of Matthew very slowly so they can understand who Jesus is. Many of them have never even heard about him. Many of these villages are headed up by witch doctors. And so there is unbelievable, unbelievable spiritual warfare going on in these villages. But as these women begin to share the truth of the word of God, 
The Spirit of God begins to work in the hearts and lives of these women. We have begun this ministry in Abuzia back in 2021. And to date, there have been over 2,000 people who have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Not only that, praise God. Beloved, only God can use a silly little goat to meet the physical needs of the family, to prepare the hearts to meet the spiritual needs of the family. The pastor told us these people are starving, and it's very hard to share the gospel with someone who is starving to death. But when the practical need is met, it opens the door for the spiritual need. Now, this is uh, the, a picture. Uh, let me show you a picture of the last um, uh, goat giving that we did. Um, this is, that is Patrick. And this is an unbelieving woman who is receiving the goat. And you see she has dropped to her knees in gratitude uh, for this goat. Let's look at the next one. Look at the smile of this precious, precious lady who has received her uh, goat from the goat ministry. Let's look at the next one. And this is all of the ladies who have received uh, goats. And again, these will be uh, met with every week in their home, slowly helping them to understand that God loves them so much and desires to have a personal relationship uh, with him. And let's look at the last picture. This one's my favorite. Look at this. Look at this. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the love of God, the love of God, beloved. When we love others within the body of Christ, the unbelieving world sees in us something supernatural. And when we begin to love the unbelieving world with the love of God, don't you see? Don't you see that it shows them that they are treasured and loved by a God who loved them so much he sent his only begotten son to redeem them from the pit of sin and hell. And because he loves them so much, he desires to have a relationship with them. Beloved, this is what John is talking to us about. God is love. And because he's loved us so much, we ought to also love others. Well, let's move on. The second thing I want to show you is what I call the benchmark of believers. Look with me now in chapter uh, 4, chapter 4, verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected, matured, complete in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Oh, beloved, don't you see that uh, no one has seen God at any time. And so when the love of God, which has been shed abroad in our hearts, is set on display, others will see that we love one another and we love the Lord. In Matthew 22, verse 35 through 39, the scripture 
recounts an exchange between Jesus and a lawyer. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And the other great commandment, uh, this is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Beloved, as we mature and grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, the benchmark of our life should be love of the Father and love for one another. Obviously, when you and I love God, our love for Him has been marred by sin. Even though we are saved, we still cannot love Him perfectly. But the good news is He loves us perfectly. And because of that, we can rest in the fact that God loves us. From the moment of our conversion, as we identify with Christ, we give the lost world the right to look at us and see what Christ is like. I believe what God is calling us to in these days when the world is on fire, it's just unraveling before our eyes. What he is calling us to is to demonstrate the love of God. To stop living for self and selfishness and to begin to live for others demonstrating the love of God to them. Well, the third thing I want to share with you about is what I call the boldness of believers. Look with me now in verse 16. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. There that phrase is again. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in the world. There is no fear, verse 18, in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Verse 20, if someone says, well, I love God and hates his brother... He is a liar, strong language. He is a liar for the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Verse 21, and this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Many, many Christians and perhaps more women than men, struggle with unresolved issues that keep them stalled in their walk with the Lord. Issues such as guilt or shame or fear are often the core reasons that is paralyzing them from moving forward. Or it could be the result of a painful past, perhaps poor decisions they made, or perhaps things that have been done to them uh, that were wicked and evil. Or it could be traced to a father who did not, for whatever reason, represent God the Father well in the home. If you had a godly daddy, 
if you had a daddy that demonstrated to the best of his ability the love of God, you are exceedingly abundantly blessed. And it was not hard, beloved, not as hard, I should say, for you to make the step of faith to receive the Lord because you have this concept of God being a loving father based on the father that was in your home. But let's think for a minute about the ladies who were out here in our group who did not have that who had, for whatever reason, a father that did not demonstrate who God was. And when you came to faith and you received Jesus, you have had a hard time fully accepting and fully believing that God could love you because your own earthly father, who should have loved you well, did not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it's true for so many, again, women, I believe, that process things so emotionally deep, deep within our emotions. And we long to feel acceptance. And we long to believe that we are loved. And we long for someone to say, good job, good job. We long to hear affirmation. We long to hear our earthly father loves us. But because we have not, we are still struggling with this issue. And because of this, you are not being able to move forward. You may believe that God is love, but you're just not sure that he loves you specifically. And part of the reason is because we know the wickedness that still dwells in our heart, the propensity to sin, even though we are a believer, and yet we still struggle in walking with the Lord. And because of that, it causes us to believe that God could not possibly love one like us, that we're unworthy of his love, even though we know that we belong to him. Even though we read in the scripture that God is love, we just have trouble believing he loves us. And because of that, the enemy, the devil, is wearing these precious women down with his ac accusations and tormenting them when they sin. The enemy is coming after these precious ones because they know of this weak area. They know that they're not walking in God's love because they cannot fully receive it. Is this making sense? Some of you are standing in this very place that I am uh, describing and you want to know it. But every time you make a, a, a misstep and fall into sin, the enemy comes against you and uh, accuses you. You'll never amount to anything. If anybody down there at Bible study knew how wicked you are, they would never listen to you. They wouldn't want to be your friend. They wouldn't let you sit at their table. Nobody loves you. Others are loved, but you are not. Because of this issue that even though they believe God's word and God's word says that God is loved, they just cannot step into it because they know their own propensity to sin. 
may I tell you that the enemy comes after all of us as believers, especially when we sin. And he torments us with guilt and fear and shame so that it keeps us from running to the Father to confess that sin, repent of that sin, and be restored. Is this making sense to you? This is how this works. And this is why we're so tired. Because the enemy is relentless. And beloved, if he can stall you as a Christian woman, if he can keep you stagnant so that you are not walking on with the Lord, maturing in your faith, don't you see how he makes you ineffective for the cause of Christ? He cannot get your soul. So he traps you in the jail of shame and guilt and fear. Beloved, this is not the life God has planned for you. He wants you to be bold in your faith and confident in his love for you. Look with me back in verse 16. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. Did you see there's two parts to this, to fully receiving this truth? First, you have to know the truth. First, you absolutely have to know the truth. Beloved, you cannot obey what you do not know. So you have to be a self-starter, a self-feeder, a Bible student learning how to rightly divide the word of truth so you don't have to be ashamed. And you have to know the truth. You see that? We have come to know. But there is a second part, and have believed. Beloved, it's not just enough to know the facts and the truths of God's word. That's the starting point. But then you have to operate in faith and receive it. Believe that is the truth for you. Not just for every other Christian, but for you. You have to know and you have to activate faith and believe. He goes on to say in verse 17, By this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence. Confidence. That is, we might be bold in our faith because we confidently believe what he says about us that we are loved. And in the day of judgment, we don't have any reason to fear because we believe that God loves us. Beloved, you are so loved. You, you are so loved. I'm not talking about you collectively. I'm talking about you individually. Are so loved by the Father that he sent his only begotten son to die for you. That he might redeem you from the clutches of the enemy put his spirit to live within you, give you his word, and allow you to walk with him. Regardless of what your past was like, what your family issues are, you are loved. Come to know that. Come to believe that. Because his love is being perfected, that is matured, completed in us. So that we might walk in the love of the Father. And he goes on to say there's no fear in love. 
But perfect love casts out fear. And that's not that we love him perfectly. We are not even capable of doing that. He loves us perfectly. And fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not being perfected in love. Beloved, when you and I come to Christ, we don't have to fear judgment or punishment. One day we will stand before Christ and give an answer to all that we have done and accounting for all that we have done. But our sin was judged at Calvary and hallelujah for it. Now our service as a Christian will be judged and rewards will be handed out. So we do not have to fear. We can be confident. We can be bold because we are loved by God the Father. We know the truth and we have come to believe the truth. Would you look with me in Genesis chapter 3 all the way back to the beginning of the Bible? Genesis chapter 3. And I'll begin reading in verse 6. Now when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and she ate. And she gave it also to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. That is, they did the best they knew how to do to cover their sin, and so they took uh, leaves and stitched them together and tried to make a covering. Verse 8, They heard the sound of the Lord God. Walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Oh, what a moment that must have been. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And look at this. I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. Fear, shame, and guilt came because of sin. Beloved, we were never designed or created to bear those emotions. Those are from sin. And God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, well, the woman you gave me, she, she gave me the fruit and I, I ate it. And the woman said, well, it was the snake. He deceived me. And so I ate it. Rather than owning their sin, they tried to deflect it. But the point I'm trying to make, it was at this moment when they disobeyed God and took of the fruit, when they gave in to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, Sin entered in. That was not God's plan. And with it came guilt and fear and shame. And Satan has been using those three things to keep us locked in unbelief. And when we finally do come to Christ and receive him by faith, he still uses those things to stall our forward growth 
in Jesus Christ. And God said, who told you that? Who told you you were naked? Where did that come from? I didn't tell you that. Who told you? Impressing upon them and us as well, that came from the pit. That came from Satan. And in his grace, in his mercy, he sent us the Lord Jesus Christ, sinless Son of God, who would go to the cross of Calvary and die for the once for all time sacrifice for sin. That we might enter into that relationship by grace through faith with repentance and be eternally saved. And in that walk with him, John is reminding us God is love. He loves you so much that he wants you to live in the fullness of Christ so that others see who he is and what he is about through your life as the Spirit of God who is alive in us and the Word of God which is alive and active. When those two things come together in our life, the power of God is released. And we are able to walk, not in the flesh, not in sin, but in love. Beloved, you are loved by the Father. You have been saved by the Son. You have been redeemed. You have been ransomed. You have been reconciled with God through Christ. And you are indwelt by the Spirit of the living God who is the down payment, the promise of eternal life in us. Oh, may the truth of God's love for you so saturate your soul and become a fragrance, an aroma of Christ that as you go about your days, others will sense the presence of God in your life. Let's pray. Oh, Father, how grateful we are for this message, such a simple message, God is love, and something we should so easily grasp. And yet, Lord, the enemy is causing us to operate in shame and fear and guilt, may we be set free. May we be set free. And may all of these precious, precious women, my dear sisters in Christ, may all of them step into all that you have for them. And may we love one another and may we love those outside the faith loving them to Jesus Christ. Lord, it is such a precious gift to gather together with sisters in Christ to study your word. Father, may the truth of your word lodge in our hearts and shake free any area that we have not fully come to know and believed. Any area that we are operating in Satan's lies that we might operate in the truth that God is love. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you all.